2: it is tuesday july 26 2022 and it is indeed a heck of a morning a very busy morning live on the mma fighting twitter spaces shortly thereafter you'll find the show in its entirety on the mma fighting podcasting network i am mike heck hope everyone had a fantastic weekend hope everybody enjoyed ufc london i know it was very hard to match the energy and I guess the overall greatness of the event in March almost an impossible feat but yeah it was a roller coaster ride that's for sure I didn't get to watch it live I was in Boston at a funeral for my uncle it was more of a like a celebration of life just the way he wanted it and no suits no ties we just dressed casually great church uh, just a great, great ceremony there, and then we had a a little, a little barbecue outside of a tent at a golf course, and then uh, we went back to my cousin's house, and everyone just hung up by the pool and had a couple of drinks, and it was just exactly the way he wanted. It. So I didn't get to watch the whole event live. I did get to watch the Patty Pimblett fight. I did get to watch the main event. Which was an unfortunate ending, obviously, with with Curtis Blades getting a 15 second injury TKO win over Tommy Aspinall. Just a heartbreaking end to that event. Uh, but I went back and watched JSP's performance. Went back and watched Nathaniel Wood versus Charles Rosa. That was just, that was a great fight. And some of the other notable things. Obviously, I went. I saw the highlights of the Molly McCann fight, which is really all I needed to see because that was amazing. The reception that she got was incredible. And her and Patty Pimblett, as a team, are just killing the game right now. You got to say, now, I'm sure you guys will have questions about both of those athletes, which I will be happy to answer. So we could talk about the aftermath of UFC London. We could talk about UFC 277 coming up on Saturday. Of course, the main event, the rematch for the women's Bantamweight title, Juliana Pena will defend her title against the woman, that she defeated in one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. Amanda Nunes. That's an interesting fight. We got Brandon Moreno versus Kaikar France going down for the interim title. It's a solid card. I mean, it's not like the most star-studded card of all time, but there's some good fights. Like Anthony Smith, Magomed, is a is a very important fight. Alexander Pantoja, Alex Perez should be a good one. And it's always fun when Derek Lewis is on the card. He's got a tough one in Sergei Pavlovich. There's some bangers on this card. It's not 276 on paper. It's probably better than 278 on paper right now. Uh, It might even be better than 279 on paper right now. I know Shamayev Diaz is just a massive fight. And that event's going to do ginormous numbers on pay-per-view. But this is a pretty solid card. And we've had a busy morning on MMA fighting, as you may have saw. UFC San Diego looks a little bit different right now. We reported about a half an hour ago that the fight between Alan Nascimento and Malcolm Gordon is no more. Malcolm Gordon suffering an undisclosed injury. And I, I confirmed like 10 minutes later that Ode Osborne versus Tyson Nam is going down on that August 13th card in San Diego. So that is a that is a fun-ass fight. And I am excited for it. And I'm excited to talk to all of you. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into this thing because there's a lot of you. Let's start with VVS. Good morning. How are you? Make sure you're on mute and then I can hear you. Are you there? All right. Try again. Try again, Sean. Let's go to... Clearest values. Oh, clearest values. What's up, buddy? Um,
0: I so this is a little bit of a kind of inside baseball question. So, I'm really interested in the fact that they have Bo Nickel fighting in the Contender Series. I think it's really funny that they're making this like world renowned, one of the best college wrestlers of all time wrestle or fight on the Contender Series. And I'm a little curious if you think, you know, there was an agreement made kind of behind the scenes saying. You know, as long as you win, you're in. Because I'm sure he had huge offers from the PFL, from Bellator, from one. I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts on him going through the Contender Series route is, rather than just getting signed straight up.
2: It's a good question. Of course, the Contender Series kicks off tonight. I have been a big advocate of the Contender Series. I do feel like some of the interest in the Contender Series... I guess the toughness and the difficulty of getting UFC contract coming off the contender series that has changed since the first couple of seasons, but alas, we still get to watch fights. We get to watch a, uh, a four to five fight card every Tuesday that just flies by Uh, some of the best prospects in the sport, get their opportunity. And one of them is Bo nickel, who will be fighting on August 9th against Zachary Borrego nickel, of course, a one and O pro had an insane knockout at Icon FC3. Bray goes 3 0. And listen, this is obviously they're two different people, but this is sort of like the Greg Hardy situation. I mean, obviously, two different people, two different stories come from two different backgrounds, two different sports. But Bo is obviously has a lot of hype right now. He got a lot of hype even as an amateur fighter. Just him announcing that he was going to go to MMA, had a lot of people excited. He had two amateur fights, two quick finishes. Then he had an insane knockout in his pro debut. This is the UFC just saying, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity. Go out there, win a fight. I don't know if like... Here's the thing. like, Bo is probably one of those guys just because he's such a freak athlete and just his wrestling pedigree and his overall athleticism. I feel like he could do well by just like if if he goes out there and just finishes Zachary Borrego quickly or just wins and he's a 2-0 pro like they could match him up with some middleweights that are on like the bottom half of the of the divisional rankings like top 60 guys, 50 60 guys and he could probably beat a good chunk of those guys but one thing that i feel like the contender series has been missing is just locking these guys up for Those developmental deals, like we're not seeing enough of those in my opinion. We're seeing guys get contracts that are just not UFC ready and then they get thrown into the octagon and they get absolutely annihilated. Like I don't want to see that, especially for a guy like Bo Nickel who has incredible upside. This guy has a very bright future ahead of him. He's 26 years old. He's not even in his like as good of an athlete as he is. He's still not even in his athletic prime. So yeah, I think it's I, I think it's a win and get in. But I don't know if it's like win and you're a UFC fighter. It, it might be just be a win. You're under contract with us. We're gonna give you develop that developmental deal, which is a smart move. Like William, I, I remember talking to William Knight after getting a developmental deal after his first contender series But Contender series but He loved loved it. He he loved it. He was so excited about it because he could fight literally anytime he wanted. He could fight a million times. A lot of times, like in the UFC, like William Knight's a guy just likes to fight all the time. So it'd just be – he could go fight for CES in June and then go fight for CFFC in July, go back to CES in August. Like this guy could fight as much as he wants, and he got to build a bunch of experience. So by, by the time he got back to the Contender Series, he was a much better fighter. Much better fighter. And then we saw it in his UFC debut. Of course, he's now a heavyweight, apparently, or at least he has been in his last couple of fights. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with getting a developmental deal. You can go fight for Titan. You go back to Icon. You can just go fight. Just build that experience. And then by the time you're like 5-0, 6-0, you're off to the races. So, I have no problem with that. But something tells me he'll win and they'll just give him a UFC contract and he'll fight. Before the end of the year. That would be my guess. But we'll see what happens. Let's go to. Peta Snorlax. I hope I got that right. Hello. Just got to unmute. Hello. Okay. You can try again if you'd like. Um, all right. I see you. Let's go, Ahid. Ahid. Ahid, how are you?
3: Here where I am, but listen, you know, you mentioned the contender series. It is the epitome of professionalism. With that dude coming 10 pounds overweight, it is absolutely at the top of how you should be as a professional. These guys are definitely UFC ready. It's amazing. Um, but listen, with the UFC London main event, Mike, I've got some questions for you, and I just want like a yes or no answer because I've got a different viewpoint to everyone else. So did, would you say that Tom Aspinall's knee, and it'll all make sense when like the question's finish? but would you say Tom Aspinall's knee had something to do with him falling down? Just yes or no? Yes? Yes. Yeah. I'd okay. Yes. Did Curtis Blades, uh, after the leg kick that Tom Aspinall landed, did Curtis Blades land a counter that could have, uh, caught, like that played a part in Tom Aspinall falling down? Yes or no? Mm. He landed a counter, right? He did land something like people. Yeah. So it was, was
2: great. It was a grazing, if if anything, but yeah, I guess I I guess I'll go yes on that one,
3: but. So then, technically, cut is like, like even though people are begr- uh, begrudgingly trying to, you know, say people are saying this is, was should be no contest, which is crazy. Like, no, Curtis is landed, whatever it was. Like, cut is did land, so. As far as I'm concerned, he's like he's responsible for Tom not being able to continue. So that's a win for Curtis. He just needs to go forward and fight the win of Tai Tuivas and Cyril Ga. People are, people are genuinely thinking this should be a no contest, and that's crazy. Like, Curtis won. Curtis even said afterwards, I think he didn't want to say in the post-fight interview because he was scared of the backlash. He said it afterwards, though, uh, backstage. He felt his bowls were strong. He said something like that. I'm with him, Like he won, legitimately won. It's like with Gaia Rodriguez and Brian Ortega. Yair targeted Brian's arm. It's not, yeah, it's the last man standing. That's what fighting is. And onto the other two, Paddy and Molly. Paddy, I want to, I'm putting forward an idea, Mike. Uh, Muhammad Makayev has been talking smack to Paddy. They have some history. And Mikhayev saying he'll fight Paddy at an upperweight class. Let's just do Makaev Mikha- because Paddy's not fighting ranked guys. So let's just do Makaev and Paddy open way. Since Makaev is talking so much, he's ready to put it on the line. If you if it was Paddy calling out Makaev, that would be a problem. That's a bully like mentality. But since it's Makaev saying he wants to fight him, I say just do it. Because Paddy's not gonna fight these top guys anyway. Um and Molly, I wanna see her and Casey O'Neill because Molly was stuffing the takedowns of uh, Hannah Goldie. I'm not that high on Casey O'Neill. I think, like, opponents of people get too crazy over an undefeated record. I think she needs to be tested by I think Molly's a good test, and I think that's that's all I've got for today. My, and Jimmy Manuas is a sucker-punching idiot. That's all I've got for today.
2: Thank you, Ahead. Always always bringing the smoke. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a, it is a win for Curtis Blades. Like, either way, it's... it's... It was a checked leg kick, it it appeared. There's a lot that happened there. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Curtis Blades. It sucks. It's just unfortunate that we built up that card. The prelims are terrible. We had some great moments with Patty and Molly, and now Tommy Aspinall's coming out, and everyone's singing and dancing and having a good time. And then all of a sudden, 15 seconds in, the fight is over. And it's just like,
4: damn.
2: Curtis Blades, man. I mean, Curtis Blades just... The man just can't catch a break. Like the guy goes on winning streaks and like could he could win like four or five fights in a row and still nobody will give him a title fight or even offer it to him or even suggest that he should get it. It's just crazy. I don't know why. Like some, he still sort of has that moniker that he's a boring fighter when in reality, like he's just really good at what he does and he's shown that he could knock dudes out and finish them viciously. But Again, with the current pay structure in MMA, like your job is to go win fights. There is no flat fee. Your job is to go out and get that second paycheck. And if you're Curtis Blades, you want to get that second paycheck. Even if it means like you might have to wait a little longer to fight for the title, but he's so used to that at this point. Like what's what it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? So Curtis will probably go fight the winner of Cyril Gan tied to Ivasa. And then the winner will probably go on to fight for the title. So we have like a little mini heavyweight tournament going on. Uh, the Jimmy Manoa thing is crazy. Just dumb move on his part. And the Patty Molly thing. I mean, the Casey O'Neill, I like the Casey O'Neill matchup. I actually would favor Casey to win that fight. I actually am very high in Casey O'Neill. I'm much higher on her than a lot of other people. Um, but she's hurt. Tori ACL. She's got a knee injury. She's going to be out for a little while. Um, So we're going to have to wait on that. If you're going to try to get Molly back by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I like the JJ Aldrich idea. I think that's like a good test, but either way, just her and Patty need to be on the same card. I suggested the Jamie Malarkey idea on onto the next one for Patty Pimblett. We have this internal, we have this internal debate. MMA fighting because on onto the next one, one of our listeners suggestion that patty pimblett should fight tony ferguson and ak loves that idea i hate that idea i hate it i hate it because why risk it why risk it at this point for patty little baby steps up get him on a, a card that will appreciate him let the fans erupt let the fans travel to him but we have to put him in a like listen the reason why I hate it so much is one, I don't think he'd beat Tony Ferguson, even though Tony, even though Tony hasn't been like the elite guy that we've seen, the guy that was supposed to fight Habib a bunch of different times. Which, in hindsight, I'm kind of glad we didn't see that fight because it wouldn't have been all that competitive, I don't think. But I think Tony beats Patty. Like I, I think Tony beats Patty, and if Patty beats Tony, then what do we do? He's got to fight Sarukian, Gamrot gillespie like those killers i don't want to see that for patty right now it's too soon it's too soon patty has gotten bigger than rankings patty has gotten bigger than names and opponents patty could fight literally anybody right now and he will be over like i've said before when you're a kid in the 90s and you're watching pro wrestling in the early 90s on Network television, WWF superstars. You always got a main event where you had like two competitive wrestlers and they would have a match. But throughout the whole show, you had wrestlers you were trying to get over in quote-unquote squash matches. And I'm not saying that Patty's getting squash matches because this, is, this isn't pro wrestling. This is fighting. So you're going to get punched. You're going to get kicked and stuff like that. But putting Patty in there with like a top 10 guy is insane. It's a terrible idea. Your job is to get this guy over and give him the uh, the best chance to win, so that people react to it. So you want to do Jamie Malarkey? Fine. You want to do guys like that fight? Joe Selecki is not a bad idea, but I'm not going any higher than that. If I'm the UFC, that's it. And this is maybe Patty can't get to the rankings, but if he if we just he's not ready now. He's just not. He's just not. He's getting he's getting clipped in all these fights. He arguably lost the first round to Jordan Levin. I like Jordan as a like Jordan's a nice guy. He's a solid guy. He's a solid hand, but like Jordan's like a top 50 fighter. And Patty's out here, like almost losing rounds to him. Like, I'm sorry. This is not a guy who should be fighting Tony Ferguson right now. He doesn't need to. Patty doesn't need to fight Ferguson or anybody with the big name. He is the big name. He is the big name. Any win, like Patty, Patty, just winning is all that matters. There are certain fighters who are bigger than titles that are bigger than rankings. And Patty's just one of them right now. Love him or hate him. You react to him. He evokes emotion. You care about what he does. You, you're either going to go crazy if he wins or you're going to go out there and root your ass off that he gets knocked out or loses. And that's, that is what constitutes a star. He evokes. He does absolutely does so there is no need there's no need to rush this guy there's no need to rush him but we'll see what happens hopefully we see him at the end of the year and probably not in probably not in london maybe we'll see him in vegas
0: the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Alright, let's try uh, PETA again. See if we can get it to work here. Are you there, sir? You gotta unmute. I can't hear you. Hello? Yo, there you go. What's up, man?
5: Oh, yo, I was, um, I was curious to ask about the weekend, like, like everyone discussed that, but, like, the middleweight division, what do you think is gonna happen? Like, because I feel like it's kind of frozen, and, um, I don't know. Pereira is good. It's a good story. And it's the grudge match and all that. But I'm just curious about like where the division goes. You know, we had the yeah. romantic fighting on the weekend.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. It's a good question. I mean, Izzy's, Izzy's getting to the point. And Jed Mishu talked about this on our ranking show because he actually, let me just pull up the rankings real quick. Just pull up a list of fighters and pull up my personal rankings. Jed had is his number one pound for pound guy. The reason he had him is that he has essentially beaten pretty much everybody in the top ten of that division. He's beaten Whitaker twice, beaten Vittori twice, just beat Cannoneer. He beat Derek Brunson already. Like he's beat Kevin Gastelum. He's beat like almost all of these guys already. Like he's now he's got Pereira. I love that story. Like, that is a fantastic story. I just – I don't know, man. Like, Andre – like, Muniz is really good, but he's just not – he needs a couple more wins. Duplessis is going to be fun. He needs a couple more wins. Imov off is a really good prospect, but he still needs a couple more wins. Like, we're getting to the point where Adesanya is not, like right. – and I feel like Sean Strickland is still in this discussion. Like, yeah, he got – he got bolted by Alex Pereira in just a horrific game plan. But the man is still like, a he's still, again, kind of like Patty. He evokes emotion. People care about Sean Strickland. It was amazing being in Las Vegas and seeing all the star power on that stage. And Sean Strickland got the biggest pop out of everybody at the UFC 276 press conference. People cared. When it came to all the top three fights of UFC 276 throughout fight week, from the beginning of Fight Week on, it was... It was the Sean Strickland-Alex Pereira show. All the interest came from those guys. I can't explain it. Sean went bananas at the press conference, and that put it over the top. But even before that, anything Sean Strickland did, people cared about. Anything Alex Pereira did, people cared about. And I feel like Sean... I feel like Sean is two wins away from getting back to a title fight. Like, they, the UFC could book that fight, and... The build to it will be bananas. But now, like, we're getting to that point where Izzy's just kind of running out of people to fight. I mean, Hermanson's... Hermanson, that was a nice win, but we have to remember, Chris Curtis has finally got to the UFC. He's been fighting at middleweight, but this guy had, like, all his success at welterweight. And you could see it immediately in that fight that Curtis was just undersized. He just was... Hermanson was so much bigger than him. Was so much rangier than him. Just it was a perfect game plan. And I was stunned by that. I was stunned by the performance and I didn't even like take that into like complete account until I actually watched like the first 30 seconds of the fight. I was like, Oh damn. I'm like, I didn't see that coming. I thought there was this tailor-made matchup for Chris Curtis. And then 30 seconds into that fight on Saturday, when I went back and rewatched it on Sunday morning at the airport, I was like, Whoa, I read that one completely wrong. As did a lot of other people. So we'll see what happens at middleweight. Like middleweight is interesting, but after Pereira, I don't know. I mean, probably like business-wise, the best thing that could happen is a Pereira wins. He could just run that back, but we'll see what happens. But that is an interesting fight. Maybe MSG for that one? We'll see. I'm going to try to get to everybody here. There's
6: a lot of you. Tajik Bay, what's up, man? Oh, hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, sir. How are you? Good, good. It's a heck of a morning. How are you? (laughs) It is indeed a heck of
2: a morning, my man.
6: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a matchmaking, you know, for for me. You know, I won't take it long. But, uh, you know, uh, Curtis obviously is going to fight the winner of the the gun uh, versus what's this guy's name? Tai Tuivasa. yeah. I think it's probably going to be Gunn versus Blades for the interim title. Um, I think for Paddy Pimblett, uh the best course of action, you need to start giving him uh, more like a named opponent, but somebody who are beatable, so you still want to build him a little bit. So my suggestion was actually Clay Guida. I think uh, Clay Guida is a good matchup for him just in general and uh, a good test for him uh, going forward. Uh, who else? For Molly I can to be honest with you. Uh, I thought if she wants to shoot for the title and she wants to do it in the safest way, she also need a named opponent. But it, it's probably going to be somebody like Jennifer Maya. I think that's uh, uh, that's matchup is is, is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. So these are the thoughts I think for uh, for Mohammed I also had an opponent. Uh, I you know, frankly, uh, I don't think. Uh, I know he mentioned uh, Jeff Molina, but I don't think Jeff Molina w- will take this fight, to be honest with you. But I know the guy who will take this fight, he he will take any fight, and I think it's Ma- Matt Danger-Schnell. And I think it's a terrific matchup. Uh, Both came in, you know, they barely took any damage in their respective fights. The timeline is right. Uh, uh, Mokaif wants to move pretty quick and make an impact and become the youngest champion. So I think uh, Matt... Schnell is a great uh, test for him. Yeah, and I think uh, that's all I have to say. Uh, hopefully, the news about uh, Ilya Topuria versus Claudio Puelius will get confirmed. But uh, outside of that, that's all I have to say. Thanks again, Mike. Take care.
2: Thanks, buddy. Um, to address the last thing, it is not Pleyas versus Topuria that I've been hearing. There's no date. Um, it will be a featherweight fight for Topuria. The name you will recognize, and it will be sort of a fight that you will react to very positively. Um, there's just not enough to like for me to confidently report this just yet because there's still, it's not even like officially agreed to yet, but I know the direction the UFC is working on with Taporia, and it is a good one. And it's going to be a 145, and I think you will all like it. Yeah, listen, Patty whatever you want Patty. if you want to if you want to give him the rub and, and push him up and try to push him to a title fight quick that's fine i i don't think you need to do that um but we'll see what happens i'm, I'm curious to see how they book him molly molly's definitely closer to a title shot like way closer than patty is but the most important thing for both of them is that they both fight together they both have to fight on the same card for i mean just the longest time you just have to. Just let them fight on the same card. It's just a bit like what those two are doing together right now It's just incredible. The reactions they're getting, the attention they're getting. Clearly they both help the other out. Like Patty had his bet like Patty's one thing I one thing that drives me crazy about Patty is the after every fight, and I know a lot of fighters are like this because fighters are their own worst critics, the whole, eh, that wasn't me. I didn't fight to the best of my ability. That was Patty's best performance in the UFC, in my opinion. Like, that was one of the best performances of, ent- of his entire career. Yeah, the first round wasn't great, but you overcame adversity. You had a great end to the round, and then you went out there and you landed the knee and you put Jordan away in the second. Like, overall, start to finish, that was the best performance of his career, in my opinion. It just was. So, this whole, now nah, that wasn't me. Stop saying Like, you don't have to say that every time. You just don't have to. So... I don't know. That drives me a little nuts about him, but the the, the post fight speech after that, with talking about men's mental health and stuff, that was fantastic stuff. Great stuff for Patty. It was an A plus night for Patty. A plus night. But again, however you match make is, it's in the eye of the beholder. You can do whatever you want, but to me, it's just it's just building this guy, building this guy up and getting him wins. Just get him wins because he doesn't need the title. He doesn't need any of that. Just he just needs wins and the reaction that it gets. I am very excited about this. Uh, A guy who has found his niche in this space, a a tremendous content producer uh, for our sport, Kairos, joining the show and joining the space, I believe, for the first time. And uh, what an honor it is. Kairos, are you there?
5: Hey, Yeah, thank you so much. I just want your opinion on
2: uh, Patty fighting Joel Alvarez. Interesting. That, I still think it's a little high, but I don't know. What do you think about that one? It's, it's I still think it's a little high. It's a little
7: too dangerous. No, <laughs> oh, we're, we're okay. <laughs> if danger is the question, fair enough. That's why I chose it. I was like, I want him to fight an unranked opponent, but also a person who's going to pose multiple challenges. We know Joel has range. We understand he has incredible grappling off his back in case Patty wants to try and grapple. And also, I feel like his striking. Is pretty good too, so I feel like it, at the very least it's going to be a potential fight of the night. That's yeah, what I was. That's at. why
2: that. Yeah, and that's kind of why I liked the Jamie Malarkey one too, because Malarkey's not going to get. I mean, Malarkey can absolutely crack, and he's going to give Patty some some fits on the feet. His ground game is is not bad. He's a good defensive wrestler, but what's going to happen when Patty gets on top of him? So I'm curious about that. And Malarkey's not going to get rattled by the situation. So I kind of like that first step up. But Alvarez, is, I mean, that's an interesting one too. But again, he's in such a weird situation where you could book him in any way and you could make a case for all of them. You know what I mean?
7: Mm-hmm. And I noticed you mentioned um, Ilya Taporia's next fight is at 45. So he's staying there.
2: At least at least for the time being, yeah. His, he, I think he sees his future. At, and you saw it in the, the Herbert fight. Yes. He got cracked at that one. He's a little undersized. But uh, the fight that I'm hearing that the, that the UFC is targeting will be at 45, and it's going to be a fun one.
7: Oh, that's good. Thank you. I won't take him any more
2: time. Appreciate it. My man, Kairos. Thank you so much. Go check him out. Good stuff. Great opinions. Good videos. Just really good stuff. Let's go to Zeke. Zeke, how are you?
8: Mike, how are we? How we doing? I had a little quicker run the connection today and take two or three times, so I think we're in for uh, you know, a positive week. You know, heck of a morning's on. It's a Tuesday, so let's get after it. Uh you know, if we didn't have Patty or Molly this week and I would want to put my head through a wall watching that prelim uh, card because I think it was it wasn't quite boring. There was just you know, there was a lot of stock rising for the English and for the Scottish and for anything else but, you know, MMA fighters, at least in my opinion. Like I think you cover Patty really well. We can't send Patty into a top fifteen matchup quite yet, because if we do that, he won't return home. He uh he just won't make it. It it wouldn't look good for him, especially if Jordan Levet is uh grounding and controlling him at the moment. Uh n- n- no, you know. Oh, slack, I guess you could say, to Jordan LeVette. I think Jordan Levet is definitely a top twenty-five, top thirty guy. I'm a little hesitancy there, but he's a fighter, you know. Barely, a, barely a UFC Wikipedia type guy. Uh, but my question for you, Mike, is: We see all these matchups. We see all these fights getting booked. We see everything, you know, getting announced. When am I going to get Dustin versus Kobe? I don't care what the division is. Dustin's eyeing up Mike Chandler now. Dustin's eyeing up. I'm not even sure he'll fight. He'll fight a kangaroo at this point, it seems. But I want that Dustin Kobe fight, and I want it so bad, Mike. Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks, Ike. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna get that. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what's gonna happen. It seems like, it seems like all signs are pointing towards. Chandler Poirier, but I honestly have no idea. Like Poirier is the consummate pro wrestler sort of promo cutter where he likes to plant seeds. And even if it's not where they're going with this, at least he could play it off like, oh, see, this is the fight I wanted. But I guess Poirier didn't want that smoke, even though there's no truth to that whatsoever. It wouldn't like, if you're going to do that fight, like if you're going to put that fight on the books, you have to do it September 10th. You have to. You have to. You have to do it September 10th for multiple reasons. One, you're dealing with Nate who by Nate's going to be there. I know Hamzat was saying on the MAR, like he doesn't think he's going to show up. Nate, Nate is going to show up. The guy wants out of his contract that bad. And even if he thinks he's going to go out there and get mauled, he wants out. The man wants out. And Nate has a great, great way of finding wins, even in the worst of losses and getting his stock to rise. But you need a backup plan for both of those guys. Like, what if something happens? Shamayev says his visa issues are a thing of the past right now, but, like, what if for some reason he gets hurt or something happens and he can't travel? Like, you need to have something to back it up. And having those two guys on the card would answer those questions. You have essentially two backups. You throw Poirier in there. You certainly throw Colby in there because if Shamayev isn't at least how the UFC is looking at this. Like I know Nate wanted this fight, and Nate just wants out that badly. And the UFC is like, okay, like you want to fight this dude? Like we will send you out. That uh, we'll send you out that way. But if Shamiyev isn't the guy, like, who, like the UFC is going to be like, well, who are we going to put Nate in there with? They're going to put him in there with a guy like like Colby, who's just going to take him down and put him on his back and just, just, just beat him up for twenty five minutes, like. That's a tough, that's a horrible matchup for Nate, too. So, if you're gonna do that, you have to do it September 10th. If not, it doesn't really make a lot of sense with Chandler sitting out there. So, we'll see what happens. If they make it cool, it would make sense for September 10th. It's a nice addition to that card, be a good co main event. It's fine, but outside of that, like I just don't know where it fits, especially when everybody wants to see Poria fight Chandler. And I think. Chandler understands, like he could still maybe get the Connor fight, but Connor's such a mystery right now. Especially with Oliveira fighting Makachev, you know that if Oliveira wins, they're probably going to look at Connor because what else would Oliveira have to do? Like that's the fight Oliveira wants. He he would deserve the red panty night if he goes out there and beats his little Makachev, which a lot of people don't think he's going to do. So we'll see. Let's go to James. McDonald. We have another James. He's, uh, he's coming up as well. James, how are you?
9: All Jameses are welcome. That's right. <laughs> Heck of a morning to you. Uh, firstly, my condolences to you and your family. Thanks, man. Okay, well, I haven't got to call in for a while because I was on vacation, but uh, I wanted to address uh, the Nelk fanboys coming at you a few weeks ago. And just assure you that uh, you could talk trash about my mother for 15 minutes. And if you made some cogent points, I'd, I'd tip my cap to you. So keep going. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is I forced myself to sit through some tough episodes. Sorry, AK. Uh, and I did see the little face-off that Juliana, Pena, and uh, Nunez had. And it kind of, to me, seemed like Nunez – or sorry, Pena – didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, she was uncomfortable. Nunez had that look in her eyes. Uh, and I did have uh, the Delta variant of COVID. So I dealt with some you know, fatigue afterwards. So I totally buy the excuse that Nunez was dealing with some after effects. I'm thinking she rolls on Saturday. Uh, was interested to hear your opinion. Thanks, Mike.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, I don't know about the the Nell peeps coming after me, but... If they did, I I missed it. So um, it's all good either way. Not everyone's gonna like you. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like I'm I'm picking I'm picking Juliana to win, but I don't know. Like I'm not confident in that pick at all. Like I'm just playing the game that just maybe she just has her number. Like it's it's not always that you're the better fighter. Maybe just the better fighter against that person. Maybe just have that number. But like, my I, I have no idea. I honestly, this is one of those fights where I literally have no idea what's going to happen. I have no clue what's going to happen. So, I would think like skill for skill on paper. I mean, Amanda should win this fight easily. And Amanda should probably should have won the fight easily the first time. But Juliana's a dog, man. And like, Juliana called her shot from the get-go. Like, everything Juliana said happened. It was crazy. I'm the worst matchup for her. She's strong in the first round. I'm tough as hell. I could take her best in the first. And then once I do, I'm going to knock her out. And that's... She didn't knock her out, but she could have. She could have grounded upon her, but she took the neck, choked her, and that was it. Like, that was just somebody just saying things. And normally we're like, get out of here. And then it actually happened. So... Either way, like no matter what happens on Saturday, Juliana Pena slayed the boogie woman. And even if this is like a Matt-Sarah GSP situation where Matt beat GSP and then we saw them fight again and GSP just ran over Sarah the second time, like Juliana is always going to have that. She's always going to have that moment. And no matter what Amanda was going through during that time, whether it's COVID effects, all that, like Juliana is going to have that highlight reel. There's going to be forever the, the the video picture of Anik and DC and Joe Rogan and just complete and utter shock reacting to Juliana Pena winning the title. So I actually – my gut tells me that Juliana just kind of has her number and it ain't going to be pretty, but I could be totally wrong and I I have very little confidence in that. Like my official pick will probably be Amanda Nunes Like when we do our stat picks, but – there's like it's just a feeling in my gut that tells me that it Julia, I mean, I mean just I mean, losses create hunger, that's for sure. But when you have won for so long, and then someone just kind of takes your best shots in the first and just walks you down in the second and just it just beats you up. How do you come back from that? I don't know. After such a long winning streak for all those years. I'm curious to see like I'm very curious to see how that plays out but I don't know my head's telling me Nunez my gut is telling me that Payne is going to do it again but I don't know I'll probably I have to watch a little more footage and I'll have an official pick on Friday during the preview show let's go to MMA anomaly I like that name how are you make sure you're on mute doing good how are you
10: good man Good, good. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity to speak. Just want to start off by saying I'm a huge fan, been a long time listener and you are one heck of a host. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. Um, I hate to circle back to the Patty, the Pimlet uh, category or topic here, but I I have to say, I agree and disagree with what you said, right? I don't think we have to fast track him to the title shot. I don't think he needs to get, you know, kind of catapulted into a top five opponent, but at the same time, I say we keep growing the patty train and give him, uh, you know, some face value, some name value. Give him somebody like a Jim Miller or Clay Guida. I think both of those guys are not super easy matches for him by any means, but he does have a shot in those fights, and those would build quite a bit of relevance for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Guida one I could see. The Guido one I could see. The Miller one I'm not a fan of for a couple of reasons. One, Miller's on this like nice run right now, and matching Miller and Patty up like someone has to lose, and either way, it's kind of a rough result. If we're if we're being like Jim Miller is just on this cool run, and like the reaction Jim Miller gets from just. Fans, fellow fighters. Like, it's just when Jim Miller goes out and gets wins over, especially these up-and-comers, these really hungry upstarts, and then, like, you just see how the fighters react on Twitter after Jim Miller goes out there and gets a TKO in the second round or or submits a guy who won, like, 11 fights in a row and was, like, a minus 400 favorite against him. Like, that's the best. That's just the best. When I get to write Twitter reacts to Jim Miller wins, it's just the coolest just the coolest thing so i kind of don't love that idea gweed is okay like I-, I don't mind that one but again we're in a position where i mean you could go any way you want with patty you could go any way you want with patty and it all makes sense you can make a case for all of it like i said earlier we had a, it, it we've had internal dialogues with that fighting like within our slack channels and on zoom calls and stuff where like Patty Pimble versus Tony Ferguson is of interest to certain members of the staff. I hate it. I hate it so much. I know Shahid Al-Shadi, who is here, just jumped in. He hates it as well. You don't need it. You don't need any of that. But if you wanted to do it, fine. I just, I hate it. I'm not a fan of it. Maybe, like, four wins from now, you could maybe do something like that, but now I just don't love it. And I think Tony would win that fight. I think, even though he's he just got viciously KO'd, and he hasn't looked great as of late. And let's not forget, Tony won that first round against Michael Chandler. He dropped Chandler, hurt him. The dude can still fight. Just look at the guy, like the guys Tony's losing to. He got battered by Justin Gaethje. I mean, it's hard to come back from that. But Patty versus Bialkowski. You want to do Patty versus Guida? Like, if you want to do Patty versus Guida, that's as high up as we're going. We're not going any higher than that, in my opinion. But again. This Patty thing is so interesting that if someone wanted to make at least attempt to make a case for a Tony Ferguson or anything like that, you could find a way to maybe justify it. I hate it. You're not going to convince me, but you might be able to convince others. And speaking of, speaking of the deputy editor of MMA Fighting, Shaheen Al-Shadi joins us. Sean, how are you, my man? I'm so happy to
10: have you here, my man. I'm happy to come in at the exact moment I did because... You're you're preaching to, you're preaching to the choir, <laughs> the, I mean, the the Tony Ferguson disrespect in the MMA world right now has just gotten out of control. That this is an actual conversation that's happening.
2: <laughs> I figured like it was just gonna it's like a button push. <laughs> oh, Sean's coming in. I was just waiting for it here and here you. The
10: Okagui signal went up in the air, and you know I have to respond. Uh, <laughs> well, I just want to say uh, first of all. Love what you're doing with it, Mike. You got you have built an incredible community here. Uh, first time, long time, but uh, happy to be on. I got to ask you though, because I, it's been interesting watching the past couple of days, the reaction to UFC London, and to me, it's felt. Have you noticed a slight difference in the way people are perceiving Paddy Pimblett now? It feels like this last one seemed to have validated him in a lot of people's eyes, and maybe people are coming around in a way that they weren't before this whole Jordan Levitt thing. And maybe the post-fight message played a part in it. Maybe it was because he didn't really get hurt in this fight as opposed to the other ones. But I'm just curious, do you feel, do you sense this sort of change happen around the, the perception of Patty Pimblet and how people are viewing him now in space?
2: I like that question. I think this one was, um, was definitely viewed differently. I think the post-fight interview certainly helped everything that he said after the fact and then the subsequent conversations with the media backstage, like not just at the press conference, but just with the broadcast partners and stuff, just really just digging deeper into those conversations. I really think that was a really good look for him. And I think people just kind of understood like Patty is an entertainer. Patty is who he is. And you could see like the, the, the teabagging thing, which was not a teabag, by the way. I hate that we even have to say this in a sentence on a space, but there's not a teabag. That was just him, like, twerking and getting low. Like, that's a move I would do of get low play to the club. Like, I would just be like, okay, yeah. But it wasn't a teabag. He didn't sit on his face or anything like that. So stop that nonsense altogether. Um, secondly, I feel like people are just, they just see Patty for Like, the entertainment factor is huge. And he's such an interesting character right now. Because I don't know how good this guy is. Like I my gut tells me that this guy is is a star, but he's not great. Like this is I feel very confident in the fact that this that Patty Pimlin's not gonna be fighting for the title. But I also understand that that's okay. That's okay. Like Max Hall like Max Holloway never has to fight for the title again, and he will be fine. Like he didn't need to fight Volk for the title the third time. Like he was just the guy there, but even if max is the champion, like he doesn't need it. He he's just he goes. There are certain guys who are just beyond titles and beyond numbers next to their names and beyond rankings. And I feel like Patty, even th- though he's three fights in, has become one of those guys. And it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Like to me, Patty Pimlet, and this is going to be a weird reference unless you were like a pro wrestling fan in like the early two thousands or even earlier than that. Patty Pimlet is like the Bill Goldberg of the UFC right now. Like Bill Goldberg, like had that undefeated streak where he won like a hundred wrestling matches in a row, but he was just, he was just running dudes over. Like he was fighting, he was wrestling quote unquote job guys and just, just spearing and jackhammering all these like guys with two first names, like Tony Roy and Dwayne Gill and all these guys. Like these are the, and, and Bill Goldberg became a star beating those guys. It wasn't until he had like 75 wins and, he was super duper over that they built him up even more. And I feel like that's kind of the position Patty's in right now. Like Patty's like the bill Goldberg of the UFC right now. Like that's how he should be built. That's how it should be. But again, it's just so interesting. Cause we haven't really seen a, a, we haven't seen much like this, Sean, have we? Like we haven't seen a lot like what we're seeing with Patty right now.
10: Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting conundrum just in terms of matchmaking of like, how long do you prolong this? Because I, it's certainly like we could do this for the next three years. Right. And it seems like, People would be maybe not fan, some fans, but it feels like the UFC would be happy with him just <laughs> beating seven mediocre guys in a row and just sort of seeing how long we could push this. It's a very interesting place. But I can't believe you're on team no no teabag. Because that was absolutely that was a teabag. Like you can't actually let the man teabag the It was a
2: phantom teabag. What? He said he was gonna do that. He said he's gonna I'm not gonna say what he said exactly, but come on.
10: Come on. You can't put your kibbles and bits on another man's face in the octagon. Like that's as close as he got. That's (laughs) as close as you can get to doing that without actually doing it. Come on.
2: Jordan Jordan Levitt also rose like the Undertaker in that situation. He was he knew it was coming. He was like, Nope,
11: I'm getting
10: out. (laughs) I, I will say the last thing on this, and then I'll get out of here. Um I I did, again, the, the, I think the post-fight message to, was w- was an important part of it, too, just the whole performance, because it did feel like it resonated with a lot of people, um, in particular, just in within the sort of time we're in and the space we're in. Like, I'll just, speaking personally for me, I mean, yesterday, actually, the 25th was the 10-year anniversary of my own father's death, and he took his own life. And so, like, to hear stuff like that being sort of put out there by... You know, a character like this guy who plays this character, but who, you know, has a massive fan base, who has a lot of people who listen to him, who has a lot of people who care what he says. Like, that, I think that's a really important part of sort of the whole performance that we saw at London. And I think, it, I don't know, it felt like to me, like that sort of changed a lot of people's hearts and minds, just the whole way that that whole day played out. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, I, I'm seeing less Patty Pimblet hate than I did, you know, a couple months ago or in March. And it, it's an interesting sea change to watch.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with that. This is this is this had the potential like at first to be like an MVP type of situation, because for a long time, it's just like, oh, when's MVP going to fight somebody legit? The problem is MVP was fighting dudes in like Thackerville, Oklahoma, fighting him at Uncasville, Connecticut, which I like Uncasville, Connecticut. Don't get me wrong. I like Mohegan side. I've been there a million times but mvp like if mvp was going on this run and winning all these fights in london we would have much different view of mvp during that run eventually after like 12 wins we'd be like all right come on now like let's let's move this up a little bit but when you get that reaction that patty gets and you see how like just people respond to it like it almost doesn't matter like i'm almost hesitant to put Patty outside of London. Like if you want to bring him and Molly to the States and just see how his fans travel, I'm intrigued to see it right now, but I am like, I would be a little hesitant because even like heading into that fight, I was, I was saying that Patty should only fight in London and it doesn't matter who the opponent is. But if you, those two seem like together, I don't know, man, like I'm curious to see like if they did it at MSG or did it in Vegas, like how would that, how would their fans travel? Would there, I don't think that we're going to get like Connor fighting Jose Aldo type of travel, but would you get a thousand Patty and Molly fans traveling to the States to watch them fight? I'd be curious to see. So it might be worth a shot, especially if you want to get one more at the end of the year, because we don't, there's no guarantee how many times the UFC is going to go back to London or go back to the UK or go back to that area. Like we don't know. So how will that translate in Las Vegas? How would that translate at MSG? I think it would translate huge in MSG. But I would also understand why they wouldn't want to fight there for money purposes, taxes, all that stuff. But it's, it's just – it's amazing. Like heading out of March, is just like, yeah, Patty won. But heading out of this, like the whole – 40 minutes of the show has been the Patty Pimblet show. Like how do we book him? And we're all over the place. And for the most part, none of us are really wrong. I mean unless you say Tony Ferguson, then I think you're wrong. But you could still make a case for it. I'm just not going to buy that case. All right, let's go to James Foster. You've been waiting for a while, my man, very patiently, and I appreciate that. What's up, buddy?
4: Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, um, You know, with the pay-per-view coming up this week, you got women and midgets. Yeah, I don't think it gets too much better than that. that, But uh, with uh, the main event, do you think no matter what happens, just as long as Amanda wins, that we're probably going to head to a trilogy, even if she – uh, steam rolls pina in 30 seconds or dominates her for 25 minutes and uh the chris curtis and jackermanson manson thing i don't know if you have anything on that i just thought it was kind of strange two guys kind of acting out of character but maybe it was just frustration on chris Curtis' part but i was curious you've had any insight on that and um the patty pimblett thing i mean I, i'm more in the i want to be entertained business than uh Build patty up i mean i would i know you're gonna disagree with me but i would like to see like a bobby green or a joe lozon or even a clay guida but if you want to build this guy up to be a star i thought of a name that i don't think i've heard anyone say yet uh matt matt for for vola i think i'm pronouncing that right the guy that got steamrolled by uh terrence mckee i think that would be a maybe a good matchup for patty if you just want to build him up but um man mike it's nice to have you back uh I definitely felt your presence kind of gone during the post-fight and uh, pre-fight show. So I'm just happy that you're back and hope all is well, buddy. Have a heck of a morning.
2: Thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, Shout out to Shaheen and the crew who held it down in my absence. I also have to say that when, when the Boston Mike character comes out, I have to take like three days off from talking. Cause I just yell and scream and I basically become 1 million times who I actually am. So yeah, I, I kind of tone the voice down. So it was, it was like perfect timing for Boston Mike to show up on BTL. Yeah. The Favola one's interesting. I mean, I know that's the fight Matt wants. I don't know if he's resigned with the UFC yet. Cause I know after that crazy last fight that he had, he was a free agent and I don't know, that'd be a good way to entice Matt back. It's just a matter of how much is it going to cost? Is it the right fight? Yeah, we'll see what happens there. The Hermanson Curtis one, you can go to MMAFighting.com. Jack Hermanson uh, was on the MMA Hour. And you could check out Jack's thoughts on that. But, yeah, listen, I just think it was frustration even on both sides. Like, even seeing Jack Hermanson kind of getting out of character a little bit as well was, was just like, wow. These two are like two of the nicest guys in the sport, and here we go. But I just think it was frustration for Chris, just that performance overall. This is a big opportunity for him. He was very confident that he would go out there and win. And a lot of people were very confident in Chris to go out there and win. And Jack just Jack just put it on him. Like I thought Jack clearly won all three rounds, at least in my eyes. And Chris's winning streak comes to an end. And who knows? Maybe his middleweight run comes to an end. Maybe he has to go back to 170. And he was loving life at 185. But who knows? Maybe he could stick around. Who knows what's going to happen there? But I think it was just frustration. And I think Jack Romansa was just like a little frustrated himself. How many times is he going to get matched up in these big fights with Darren Till and then they don't happen and he has to keep taking these short-notice opponents? And everybody was overlooking Jack Hermanson. Everybody. I was on this show last week. I said, There's, I just don't see any world where Jack Hermanson wins this fight. And I was 100% wrong. And this is maybe Jack Hermanson just, you know, just metaphorically putting the middle fingers up at all of us. Just saying, See? I'm a nice guy, and I'm not going to go on the microphone and call all of you out, but I beat that man, and this wasn't close. So stop sleeping on me. That's a real thing. Let's go to – we'll go to Tristan. We'll go to Four Corner Sports, and then I see a few of you. I'm going to try to get to as many of you as we can here. Uh, Tristan, how are you? How are you doing,
12: Mike? How's everything?
2: Wonderful, my friend. That's
12: great to hear. Um, I just want to go back to um, what I said to you. Last week, I think on Friday, about um, I'm hearing about ben, Benoit Saint-Denis versus uh, Christos Diagos for the September 3rd card for Paris. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to know if you're hearing that. Um, I, I don't know if it's confirmed or not. That's my first question. My second question, um, I know that the um, UFC London uh, prelims wasn't great, but there was a bright spot in um, Jonathan Pierce. Um, he's now on a four or five win streak. Um, what what do you I, I, I didn't and I, I don't know if I heard you match him up on Otno, but um I, I think I, I I really enjoyed his performance against Markquan. Um, he looked he looked really gritty. He looked really durable and tough in there. So I think the next fight for him, I think it could be Julian Orosa or um Charles Jordan or even Tucker Lutz. I think those three would be really good, and if he if he goes out there and beats any of those three guys, I mean, you may have to start looking for him to find maybe a top fifteen in the featherweight division. So, just want your thoughts on about that as well. And as far as uh, Molly McCann, I I um, she called out Antonina Shevchenko, and that was like one of my no picks that I sent to AK, and I think that's appropriate. I think she's a name. But someone that I, I really would favor Molly McCann in that fight against Ant- Antonina Shevchenko. Antonina used to be a former top fifteen, and you know give her that fight, see where she's at at that point. So um, you know I just want to hear your thoughts on that, and uh, thanks for everything, Mike.
2: Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean I I, uh, I assume this the Santini fight is happening. I I will admit I haven't gone crazy looking into it, but uh, considering who reported it. I've seen on Instagram at least one of the fighters confirming it. So, I I mean, that's that's probably what's going to happen. Santini should probably be on that card. Anyways, so, yeah, I think that's probably the fight. Molly Antonina's fine. I like, I actually, I went with J.J. Aldrich on mine. I actually think J.J. is a tougher fight than Antonina, and I, I actually, I, I think this whole, I know Ariel talked about this on the May Hour, and he asked Dan Hardy about this, but Patty Pimblett's presence has really helped Molly McCann. The confidence levels have risen. You could hear it in her voice. You could hear it in her promos. You could see it in her performances. Like, the evolution of Molly McCann is real. Like, we're seeing it. We've seen it in these last two performances. She needs to step up in competition, though. Like, Patty, it doesn't matter. Patty, doesn't matter. You could throw him against anybody. But I feel like if we're talking potential title fights, like, Molly is – Molly could win two or three more and fight for the belt. Patty is gonna have to win like eight or nine, maybe ten before he fights for the belt. That's just that's just because of the divisions they're in mostly. But you could I mean you can make a case right now that if the UFC just wanted to put a interesting big fight together and just do Valentina versus Molly, like in London, like that'd be gigantic. That'd be huge. That'd be huge. Now Valentina would win that fight, but if they wanted to just do that, like they could. It wouldn't be, it'd be somewhat egregious, but not incredibly egregious. But I think you just kind of want to continue to build that confidence, is what I'm saying, but give her steps up. I like Aldrich. You want to do Antonina? That's fine. I know someone just suggested Casey O'Neill. Might be a toughie, but I don't know. We'll see. Courtney Casey would be an interesting one because even if Courtney wins, Somehow, in our eyes, she'll still lose a split decision to Molly. So, it's almost like unless she gets stopped, she'll probably win that fight because the judges never rule things for for Courtney Casey anyway. So, yeah, just give her a step up. If they want to do Antonina, it's it's a fine idea. Uh, Who else has been waiting for a minute? Let's go to – actually, I was going to bring him on, but I don't see him anymore. So, all right rapid fire from one mic to another michael morgan how are you I'm sir?
5: exceptionally well. I'm glad you kind of qualified that because mike what the heck is what I was about to say before I jumped in here when you're talking about the confidence when you're talking about how she stepped up come on she was given two scrubs and she did what she had to do no disrespect to molly and I mean this from the bottom of my heart I do see exactly what the UFC are trying to do here. We don't have any stars over here in the UK in terms of rosters. It's depleting on an almost monthly basis. So I can see why they're building these quote-unquote stars. But let's not gaslight people. Let's not pretend that we don't know what's going on here. We know what it is. It is what it is. And the reason, as soon as I heard that from you, I clicked the send button for the mic, is because I couldn't <laughs> believe Mike Heck was about to gaslight us. But no, you caught yourself. You kind of doubled back. You kind of screwed and rewound. So I'm glad you did that. But just let's underline this. We know what's happening here. We know what's occurring.
2: appreciate that man. I love the energy. I love the passion. Yeah, I mean listen, there's, there's certainly truth to that 100%. But I stand by my confidence selection too because let's not let's not forget Molly was Molly was fighting people she was heavily favored over earlier in her career and she wasn't she wasn't beating girls like that. She wasn't going out there and spinning elbowing people. She wasn't. She wasn't. She was happy, just brawling and winning two rounds, and then losing the third and hanging on to win decisions that she was heavily favored to win. And now she's out there just throwing shit around. She's got the attention of the of the people's champ, the great one, the Rock. The confidence is. is I'm not taking away anything what you're saying as far as the opponents go, but you can clearly see she's more confident fighting. I mean, she's not going to be fighting the Hannah Goldies forever. She's not going to be fighting those types of fighters forever, but she's going for the kill. She's trying to get finishes. She's being creative in there. So yeah, I think there's certainly confidence rising. Now the level opponents you're right. Haven't been spectacular. Hannah Goldie is essentially a straw weight, but she's trying stuff and trying to get people out of there and, just ripping shots with Michael Chandler and Ioani and check in the crowd. Like that's just fun. It's just fun stuff, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how good that confidence translates. Let's give her a little bit of a step up. I think Antonina makes sense. JJ Aldrich makes sense. I wouldn't go much higher than that. Those are two tough fights, but I wouldn't go Casey O'Neill. I wouldn't go Aaron Blanchfield. I wouldn't go Moran. I know Miranda Maverick wants that fight. I don't love that idea. I would do like a step below Miranda Maverick. I think Miranda's gonna fight too, if memory serves you correctly. All right. Let's get through these. I'm gonna try to get to as many as I can. I got like seven minutes, so let's fire these Let's fire these off. Uh the name's Birchie. What up? What is up, Mike Heck?
13: You Not
0: too bad, man. This is the first time I've ever um um chimed in. Um, real quick, uh, have you do you have any news on any like fighter unions to get fighters more? fair pay because i know even conor mcgregor is underpaid so do you have any uh any news on anything like that going on and uh, i'll get off and listen
2: you know that's one question i wish i could confidently say i had an answer to but i don't and unfortunately i don't think i'll ever have an answer to that question because they didn't do it when the company sold for 4.2 billion dollars why would they do it now It's a sad tale, people. It's a sad tale, and this is just the story we're going to be living. Okay, We're going to be fighting for fighter pay, and we're going to be on preview shows and post-fight shows and fan Q&As and shows like this talking about how these fighters deserve more. And they do deserve more. They all deserve more. Even Conor deserves more than what he's getting. The problem is they're just not going to come together. They're just not. And Joe Lozon gets a lot of shit for saying that the union's never going to happen, that Fighters can be selfish and he gets a lot of crap. People think he's anti UFC. That's something you told me a million times because people think I'm anti UFC. I'm not. I see because I've been here for so long when fighters fight for more money more oftentimes than not, they fight it for themselves. They're not fighting for the rest of the roster. They're fighting for themselves. And now you have 700 people on this roster. Some are making 10 and 10 making their dreams come true, getting provided this opportunity. Some were making 40 and 40. Some have shot themselves up the ladder. Now they're making six figures. They're like, wow, I don't want to screw that up. So getting these people together to say, you know what? Pay us more or we're just not fighting. It's just not going to happen. I would, I, mean, I would love to see it happen. It's just not going to. Major League Baseball in 1994, players like, eh, nope, not doing it. And it happens in all these sports. Like at certain times, there's threats of walkouts and all these different things. And it's all about money. And the players are just like, okay, we just won't play. I mean, they're making a lot more money than the fighters are, but that's how it starts. That's how it starts. And then there's a union, and then we come together. Then there's negotiations. We try to fight a middle ground. One side wants something totally egregious. The other side wants something totally egregious. And we try to meet in the middle. It's just not going to happen. I wish there was, I wish I could give you, a, it's just not. It's just not. We're never going to get 700 fighters together to band together, because you need the Connors to do it, you need the Adasanias to do it, you need the Diaz's to do it, you need the Inganos to do it, you need them all to do it, and then you need the guys making 10 and 10 who just got a contract off the Contender Series, who just got their they the, the thing they've always wanted since they got into the sports, as they went into the gym for the first time on the mats, and took their shoes off, they made it to the UFC. And now before they have their UFC debut, you're asking them to just not fight. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. And it sucks. As Rick Pitino famously said, it stinks and it sucks and it stinks. But this is the world we live in. And as a guy with a voice and a guy who hosts a million shows, we're going to be talking about this forever. And it sucks. The UFC is certainly to blame, but also the fighters need to look in the mirror because they've had opportunities to come together They've tried to put weird, random groups together. Like Bjorn Rebny just came out of hiding and was the head of some association that could have happened. And then all of a sudden, just Bjorn Rebny went back into hiding and the thing dissolved. It's just crazy. It's just, I just don't see it happening. It sucks, but it's just, I just don't see it happening. Gary, how are you? Gary?
11: Oh, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. There we go. How's things? All good, man. Things are okay, my man. How are you doing? Right feeling? on, man. Hey, I'm doing phenomenal. Hey, I wanted to chime in real quick. I think people are asking too much from the UFC in regards to McCann and Pimblett. I think they're handling it just fine. I think the last thing you want to do is snuff either one of their stars right now. I mean, in the world of MMA, they're they're like a power couple and wildly popular. The UST's best move would be to put him on one of those EBC cards and get him national exposure against a couple people they can beat and let him go wild, let him rip shots in the crowd. And I mean, if they follow that path, I mean, he could Pimbley could be as big as Connor. He might not be as good as Connor, or he might be. I don't know. But I mean, he's got that that kind of start potential. And McCann, let's not forget, it was just two fights ago. I mean, she was like a 500 fighter. So you know, let's let's not ruin a good thing here. I mean, you know, build them up. The last thing you want to do is see them, either one of them lose and then people go back to not caring.
2: Hey, you're preaching to the choir, my man, you're preaching to the choir. Like I said, Patty Pimplett should be treated like the Bill Goldberg of the UFC. Just let him get wins. Just let him run people over. Let the crowd go banana. As Pat Patterson once said, just let him do that. And then with Molly, like give her, it's, they're both kind of the same, but I feel like Molly you give her a little bit more of a step up just because the division is what it is. Molly could win two or three more fights and then they could throw into her title fight with Valentina. Like, they just could. It probably isn't going to go very well, but you probably could do that because people will care and people will buy the pay-per-view. They just will. Patty, again, you don't. it doesn't matter. Throw them in there with anybody. You want to throw him in there with the Jordan Levitts of the world every single time? Fine. It's totally fine to do that. If you want to give him a little bit of a, a step up, sure. But if his next fight is against Armand Sarukian, that is the worst booking ever. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. If you're building up any prospect right now, you don't throw him in there with Armand Sarukian. Don't do it. Just don't do that. It's a bad idea.
7: Rel, how are you? Hey, good morning. What's up, buddy?
6: Yes, how you sir? doing, Mike?
7: Wonderful. So I think... With the whole Patty Pimblet thing, I, I agree and I disagree, because I think people. One thing you got to remember: this ain't boxing. You don't get one L and then you're just on the back shelf. And nobody's gonna pay attention. It's this is mixed martial arts. You could get you could get an L and then go on a four or fight winning streak and be back, if not in a better position than you was before. So I think. Do I want to see them just give Patty a bunch of opponents that he could beat? I don't want to say that, but. Give him tests that shows like he's growing, he's growing, and he's growing. I don't wanna just see him go beat, you know, a bunch of fighters in a row that we we knew he was gonna beat, because then when he gets to the title shot and he get turned back, it's like, well, that's probably what was gonna happen. But I think a lot of people gotta throw more respect on his performance this past week. To lose a friend and go out there and do that, that the the growth is there. The growth is there. And then one more thing. I've been hearing people talk about DC is making a return. Have you, have you heard anything about that? Is that something that we should be paying attention to? H- have a good morning. He, he did a, um, thank
2: you for the call. DC did a Twitter spaces with Monster Energy with Hans Ballenkamp, I think it was. And someone had asked if, like, what it would take for him to come back. And he mentioned, I believe, that he would fight Yuri for one more. And I listen, it's not going to happen, but DC's a competitor, man. Like he always has been. And I'm sure there's there's a, a small part of him that misses the training and misses getting ready for fights and misses seeing his name on a poster and things like that. But I'm sure the guy's very happy with what he's doing. The guy has, I love the, 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 shows he does on ESPN plus where he breaks down certain fighters. It's a great one on Alexander Volkanovsky. He's doing the color commentary with Anik and and Joe Rogan. And there's probably going to be other things in the future with this guy. It's going to be on a TV show, the the warrior TV show. I mean, the guy's crushing life right now. So he doesn't need to come back, but I'm sure it's just like GSP. Like GSP is always asked, Oh, what would you do to come back? Like, who would you fight if you could come back? And GSP's a little more, he's gotten asked this so much that he's more seasoned to it. So GSP will always stop in his tracks. Like, well, if I were to come back, which I'm never going to, I would fight Hamza Shemaev. I would fight Kamar Usman. I would fight Israel Adesanya, but I'm not coming back. I will come back, but if I were to come back, even though it's never, ever, ever, ever going to happen, these are the three guys I would be interested in fighting. DC hasn't gotten that season yet. The guy just retired. The guy just got into the Hall of Fame. Two years from now, we're going to be having those conversations where DC is going to be walking those things back putting in those things, those little precursors saying, I'm not coming back, but this would be fun in a alternate universe. GSP has mastered that. DC just hasn't had the time to master that just yet. But if we're holding our breath for a DC comeback, I wouldn't hold it. I would just just let that breath out. Alright, we got four more on the books. Esteban, J Money, King Cat, Sivaram, and then we're out of here. Esteban, how are you? Hey, Mike, heck of a morning.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Quick question. I wanted to talk about Michael Chiesa. He's been in a rough patch lately. He's, I think he's like on a two-fight losing streak, and, you know, he's getting up there in age, and he seems to be really comfortable on the desk. You know, now they're going to him for live comments during fights. You know, what, Dean Thomas, I think he still does it, or used to do it. So, and my question is, what's the future for Michael Chiesa? Do you see him fighting? I mean, he's, you know, he's not old, but he's old in fight years. He's been around for a while, so... Do you think his future is still fighting or in the desk or what's, what's his future for Michael Kiesa? Thanks, Mike.
2: Thanks buddy. Kiesa's is a good fighter, man. Like go back and watch that Sean Brady fight. Kiesa may have lost the battle. It's just one of those things like he may have lost the battle, but he might've won the war because he had all the momentum coming out of that Sean Brady fight. He broke Sean's nose early. Sean was having trouble breathing. He had blood in the back of his throat. I've talked to him about a million times. Kiesa Kiesa beat up Sean Brady in that fight. Sean Brady would be the first one to tell you that he did. The Luke A one was crazy because it looked like Kiesa was on his way to a submission win, and Luke A just being the king of violence at, at 170 pounds comes through and comes back and somehow gets the victory. And I mean, d- those are just two really good fighters. So I think there's. I think he's in a weird position right now. I mean, I, don't, I hope they don't throw him Shafkat Rachmanov. I hope we don't see anything quite like that. But maybe a D-Rod, maybe a Randy Brown, you know, something like that. Kevin Holland, perhaps, like something like that. I think there's still some some tread on those tires. As far as a broadcaster goes, his future is incredibly bright. I thought this when I like Michael Chiesa was one of the first UFC fighters that I interviewed back in 2015 or 2016. And I thought that of Michael Chiesa the first time I talked to him. Guy just has such a mind for the game. He's so good in that role. And if you watch LFA broadcasts, he's great in color commentaries. Excellent. So I think there's a future for him being, doing some color for UFC events too. I don't think his fighting career is over. I know he's dealing with some injuries And things like that. So maybe a minute before before he gets back in there. But I still think he's got a couple fights left. And his commentary career is going to be really good. Because he's excellent at it. Really, really good. Let's go to Jay Money.
7: What's up, man? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm good. So I had a couple questions. So I saw the Krelov report that he told the UFC he didn't want the flag on the shorts and stuff. But I was wondering, do you really think that was him or do you think that was maybe them – just push them to do that. And also one of the questions about the Derek is Pavlova's fights. I was wondering if you, if Pavlova goes out there and wins, do you think he could fight someone like a, a blades or Volkov, someone like that for the next opponent to, and maybe he gets up to the heavyweight wings pretty fast. So I was wondering about those two things. Uh, thanks Mike.
2: Thanks man. Yeah. The first one I'm not all that familiar with. So I'm, I'm going to be looking into that a little bit more and then I will, I will have some thoughts on it. Uh the Pavlovich one. I don't think he's getting Blades because I think Blades is going to get the winner of Tuovasa versus Gone. Maybe. Maybe the Volkov one? I don't know. Maybe Romanov. Because Romanov's coming up pretty soon, too. He's fighting uh, Shamil Abdurahimov, I believe. Is it on this card? Is it this weekend he's fighting him? No, it's coming soon, though. Maybe it's 278. I think it's 278. So maybe match those two guys up. Alexander Romanov, man. I am so excited for that guy. I mean, he's just, he's got to fight for the title. There's no doubt about it. That guy's fighting for the heavyweight title in the next 27 months. Maybe even sooner. Dude is a madman. Um, I'm very excited for him. I mean, Pavlich is favored against Derek Lewis for sure, but Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis, man. He could lose 14 minutes and 58 seconds of this fight and still knock the guy out. So don't love the matchup for him. Stylistically, it's a nightmare. But Derek's got them hands, man. He's got them hands. King Cat. Are you there? The wheel is spinning. The wheel needs to stop spinning and we got to move on. All right. Sorry, King Cat. We tried. Sivaram. Sivaram. Do we have you? I know he's yours. There we go. Here he is.
13: How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I just want to let you know about my opinion on two things. And uh, I just want to hear what's your opinion on those things. And the first one is about the uh, – UFC 277, obviously. Uh, my gut feeling and my mind both are saying that Julia Penn is going, going to win uh, another time, mate. Uh, I know she's like a bull, like a, a frame she got. So, she fights like a bull also. She results, uh, she, her wrestling is very good and her jab and one-two punching is very good. Uh, I think uh, Ju- uh, Amanda News doesn't like to take punches to her face, you know. Uh, that's why she get very uh, aggressive towards Juliana Penn in, in uh, the past match. Uh, that's what uh, very you know uh, strategically mystic uh, fighting with uh, Juliana Penn. So that's what my opinion was uh, about the one thing. And second one is the uh, who you back uh, who you got made uh, Is it going to be Moreno or uh, Kai Kara fans? because last time, uh, in the first round, goes to the Kaikara fans and uh, second round, uh, maybe to the uh, Brandon Moreno. And the third round, kind of, a, you know, I can't decide who who, who got that round. Maybe uh, Kaikara fans evolved so much very good with uh, his striking ability and his punching power. So, I don't know who to uh, who's going to win that match. And a lot of people is happy to see losing Brandon Moreno and some people is backing the Kaikara fans. And what do you think on, about that, man?
2: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on the Pena Nunez one. Like, my, my head is picking... I'm a little different than yours. My head is picking Amanda Nunez. I feel like on paper, you just look at everything, skill for skill. Amanda Nunez is the better fighter. But my gut is saying that maybe it's going to happen again because Juliana Pena is just... She's just going to get in her face, man. She's going to keep getting in her face. She's going to keep coming. is going to have to stop her. And she's going to have to stop her quick or else she's going to lose again. Tane is just such a, she's just not going to stop coming forward. And I think pain has just got so much confidence right now. That's that's so big. My official pick could probably be Nunez, but it would not surprise me to see Juliana painting go again, but I might, I might just go all in on Pena. We'll see what Jed Bashu has to say. Cause you remember last year, Jed Bashu became instantly famous for his Juliana Pena selection and it came through and he was correct. And he got it done. The biggest, the most intriguing thing on this whole card in my eyes is Brandon Moreno because he's left entrom. He went over to James Krause's gym at glory MMA. It was kind of a shocker. I didn't think Brandon Moreno would ever leave that gym. I don't think his team or his coaches ever expected that to happen, but he did it. And now he's over with James Krause, the human cheat code as AK likes to say. And I'm really curious to see how different he looks, what kind of different game plan he's going to come up with, like how he's going to flow with Kraus yelling instructions in his ear. Like, I'm really fascinated by that. I'm really interested to see. And Kai Car France is a dog, man. What we have seen, daddy Kaikara France, just becoming a dad is just a different guy. Like, he just he's digging deeper than he ever has before. Him beating Askar Askarov is just such an impressive win. That win is going to age extremely, extremely well. So that fight rules. I don't have a pick for it yet. I'm leaning Brandon Moreno right now, but whew, that's a great fight. All right, last one, rips and picks, and I got to go. I have to get out of here. Rips and picks. Unmute. Unmute.
10: What's up, Mike? How you doing? there we go (laughs) hey uh i'll
12: just keep it short man um i I obviously saw that yuri had called out glover again just saying you know my my performance wasn't too good the first time i'd love to just do it again i'm just curious man like now that yuri has won the belt now that he's kind of a newer star for for the ufc to be able to tap into and we got a big light heavyweight fight coming up between ankoliath and smith i mean what do you think the chances are that they just run that fight back i mean If Hank or Smith even has a big win, you know, that could even kind of propel them into that. But just curious if you think that one's going
0: to
2: happen again. Thank you, sir. Yes, I do think it's going to happen because, like I said, right after the fight, you have to do it now. You can't wait. This This is not Connor Nates. This is not one of those fights where you can just put it in your back pocket and just pull it out anytime you want, anytime you need an event or anytime you need this or that. You got to do it now. Glover is not the youngest man in the world. That fight was incredible. And I just don't know. Like, in both those guys. Like, just look at both of their careers. Just look at the types of fights that both of those guys get into. There's just not a world where, like, four or five years from now, both these guys are still fighting at that high of a level. Like, Glover's probably going to be coaching multiple UFC champions at that point. Yuri, I don't know how much he's got left in him just just the types of wars that he's been in and will continue to get in you have to do this now you have to do it so it would not i was saying just do it at msg like let's just do it i i love it before the end of the year you got to do it this anthony smith ankle fight is interesting I think if Anthony wins it, I think if Anthony goes out there, bolts Magomed Ankle he'll probably be next in line for the winner of that fight. Ankle if he just goes out and decisions Anthony Smith, like I don't think the UFC is going to be in any rush to put him in a title fight. He might be the best 205er in the world, but I don't know if they're going to be any in any rush to just throw him in there with Yuri. They might throw him in there with Jan Blahovich instead. So. That fight, Anthony Smith, Magomed, Live, is huge for the division. I think it means probably a little bit more for Anthony Smith right now. Again, former title challenger. After the John Jones fight, did anyone ever think that we'd be talking about Anthony Smith being in a title fight again? Not a lot of people did, and he's knocking on the door right now, which is just incredible, and it just says a lot about the man who is aptly nicknamed Lionheart. But all right, we got to get out of here. We had a very busy week ahead of us. Of course, it's fight week, UFC 277. we got the MMA hour back tomorrow. I'm sure the lineup will be sensational. Last, yes, it's less ridiculous. I mean, we've got freaking Hamzat Shemaev on the show. You don't get a lot of Hamzat Shemaev interviews these days, and a man Ariel got, got it done. Uh, Thursday, we'll be back here. 10 a.m. Eastern, we'll do it again. Friday, we'll do it again here, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll have the weigh-in show. Actually, Friday might be a little different, just depending on when the weigh-ins happen, but we will be here Friday at some point. BTL Thursday, we'll have a preview show on Friday, People's Pre-Fight show Saturday. All the coverage. Jose Youngs will be in Dallas, 4-277. This is going to be a busy week, everybody. So buckle up, strap in, and stick with us over here at MMAFighting.com. For all of us here, we appreciate it very much. Have a great day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.
0: Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets
1: when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Or in West Virginia, visit 1 800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 Y or text HOPENY 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit CCPG.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.CO slash B for eligibility